This episode of the Experimental Brewing Podcast is brought to you by Pico Brew, makers of the Zymatic and Pico Brewing Systems. The brewing systems of the future are here now. Discover how easy and rewarding it is to make great beer with Pico Brew. And by Craftmeister and BTF Iota 4. When you absolutely positively need to make sure every surface is clean, bust out the cleaner with professional power and home brewer safety. Make better beer with better chemistry. Choose Craftmeister. And by NicoBrew.com. NicoBrew.com is your one-stop hop shop where Nico and his kilt take care of all your hop needs with nitrogen flush mylar and only $5 to ship anywhere in the U.S. and with great international rates. If you're a pro brewer or a homebrew shop owner, get a commercial account at pro.nicobrew.com to take full advantage of Nico and his guild. And by the American Homebrewers Association, a community of more than 46,000 beer lovers. Since 1978, the AHA and its members have worked to promote the best hobby there is, homebrewing. Join us today for six issues of Zymergy Magazine, money-saving AHA member deals, and access to exclusive events and competitions. And remember, relax, don't worry, have a homebrew. Why Yeast Laboratories has provided fresh, premium liquid yeast cultures worldwide since 1986. Choose from our product collection of ale, lager, German wheat, Belgian ale, wine, malolactic, or wild and sour strains for your next fermentation creation. We're here to help you ferment premium products like the professional. Why yeast? And by you, our listeners. Go to experimentalbrew.com to help support us. Click on the Patreon link to donate whatever amount you like to the podcast and our charities. Click on the Brew Your Own Magazine link to subscribe to BYO, or click on the AHA link to join the American Homebrewers Association. Part of the proceeds from those will go to help support the podcast. And thanks for your support. Hey there, beer fans. Welcome to Experimental Brewing with Denny and Drew. I'm Denny Kahn. And I'm Drew Beecham. Together, we're the authors of Experimental Homebrewing, Mad Science in the Pursuit of Great Beer, and the recently released Homebrew All-Stars, storming the charts on Amazon and making everybody wonder exactly what sort of archetype are you. Uh, Between the two of us, we have nearly 40 years of homebrewing experience. Now, I'm the guy known for weird beer and strange ideas. And I'm the guy who's known for questioning the conventional wisdom and checking it out. All right. On today's episode, we're going to take a stop at the brewery to discuss what uh, Denny and I have been brewing recently, or what we're about to brew with. And then it's off to the phone bank, where Denny interviews a bunch of homebrewers from some silly club in Southern California. And finally, our last visit to HomebrewCon, where we're going to present to you, courtesy of the American Homebrewers Association... Our seminar, How to Brew Like an All-Star, which means that you'll finally understand what I mean when I said everybody's wondering about what sort of archetype they are. And, uh, you know, and I just want to apologize in advance for the uh, ukulele playing in it, but what the hell, it was fun. So, uh, ho- hope you enjoy it. There you go. Oh, okay, and I want to remind you that uh, you can support us a number of ways. You can go to our website, experimentalbrew.com, and you can click on the AHA link to join the AHA, or you can click on the Brew Your Own link to subscribe to Brew Your Own magazine, 
When you do that, we get a little bit of the proceeds from that, and we use that to help sponsor this podcast. Uh, the other thing we want to let you know about is uh, the Patreon link that's there. If you click on that, you can support our charity. Uh, our previous charity was Freedom Service Dogs, and we raised, what, 470 bucks for them? Yeah, thanks to a last-minute uh, donation from the Hopheads of Southeast Missouri. Yeah, we we managed to raise four hundred and seventy dollars in the first half of twenty sixteen. Not bad for a little podcast. That, man, that just rocks. I, I'm I'm really happy, and I want to thank all of you out there for uh, for helping us do that and for uh, helping these dogs and the people they're going to. But the other thing is that that means it's time for us to pick a new charity, and we have some ideas, but we want to hear from you guys what your ideas are. So if you have an idea for a charity that could uh, use some funding, email us at podcast at experimentalbrew.com and we'll put your idea into the mix and choose a new charity here shortly. Denny, does my bank account count as a charity? <laughs> uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure it does, but uh, you're going to have to go uh, hit up people on your own. Damn. <laughs> Damn, indeed. Okay, we're going to take a little bit of a break here. We're going to wander over to the brewery, and when we come back, we're going to uh, tell you about some of the ingredients and equipment that we've been playing with lately. All right, boys and girls, we were digging around and we discovered that there's one room in Casa Verde that we'd never been in, and that's the brewery. So, uh, welcome Boy, to the brewery. That. I know, yeah. Yeah. Well, at least I don't think we've ever been here in the brewery, uh, not with everybody else, but today we're here in the brewery, and what we're going to do in this little segment is we're going to talk about, well, really what we've been brewing recently and what we've been playing around with. So, uh, Mr. Dincenzo, you want to kick it off? Yeah, um... One of the the cool things about being Denny and Drew um, is that uh, people sometimes send us things to get our opinions about them, ingredients, equipment, stuff like that. And we've been kind of remiss about talking about some of this stuff. So I'm going to start back in the past and tell you about some of the stuff I've been playing with. And uh, next episode, we'll bring you up to date with some of the newer stuff. Okay, working my way back, I was sent some uh, Wireman Barca Pills Malt, that's B-A-R-K-E, by Juno Choi at uh, Brewer's Supply Group. Uh, he wanted to get my opinion on it, and my opinion is that stuff rocks. I made my standard German Pilsner recipe using it, uh, which is just real simple, just pretty much nothing but Pils malt, a first word hop uh, with some noble hops, uh, and 60-minute hops, and that's about it. What I found with the Barca Pils malt compared to the best pills that I usually use, which is really nice stuff, um, the, the Barca had a fuller flavor. It was a, a maltier flavor. Um, I almost want to say more rounded, but that's kind of like crap. So um, it it made a really, really nice pills with a nice full-bodied malt flavor. And I am definitely looking forward to getting my hands on some more of that stuff. Uh, as I said to Drew, hey, I'd even buy some of that. Well, and and real quick, that I mean, that's basically, it's an heirloom malt, right? It's kind of the right. a German equivalent to, say, a Maris Otter. It's an older malt that kind of almost died out, but Weyermann's been keeping it around. 
Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and Maris Otter is kind of a, an apt comparison because it kind of has the same comparison to standard Pills malt as Maris Otter does to normal pale malt, you know, uh, just kind of a... Uh, kick it up a notch kind of thing to it. So anyway, uh, I would I would say that uh, this is definitely worth you guys looking into and going out and checking it out. And thank you, Juno, for thinking of me when you sent it out. Uh, Juno also sent me some uh, Simpsons Double Roasted Crystal Malt, which is, uh, as far as I can tell, kind of like something in, in the Special B kind of category. Haven't had a chance to brew with that yet, but I will let you know when I do. The other thing that I got a chance to play with that is exceptionally cool uh, is from our friends at Candy Syrup Incorporated, CSI. They have made some of my favorite candy syrups for years, and they have a new one coming out. I guess it'll be available to homebrewers in the fall that is a D240. Uh, up until now, they uh, the darkest one they had was a D180. It kind of had, you know, a lot of the raisin and plum notes that you get in, in Belgian beers like Rochefort. The 240 uh, leans a lot more towards the, the coffee and chocolate side of things flavor-wise. So what I did was I took my, uh, my standard Potter's beer recipe, which is, you know, a low-alcohol Belgian beer, and I added just a pound of the... Um, of the D240 to it, uh, really, really darkens it up. This stuff has some real color to it and gave it just, just a hint of that coffee and chocolate flavor. I, I'm looking forward to, uh, pulling out my, my basic, uh, kind of like Rochefort recipe and giving it a try in there as opposed to the 180 that I usually use. And, uh, but, uh, Keep your eyes open in the fall when this stuff hits the market. I really think you guys are going to like this stuff for your uh, for your Belgian style beers, probably even for some like uh, like English styles, like dark milds and stuff. It might be kind of funny. And so. Uh, so what have you been brewing, buddy? Well, uh, I think everybody will hear some of what I've been up to uh, in our next segment. But yeah, I've, I've brewed a bunch of Saison. Big surprise. And I managed to this time. To keep going with my yeast strain guide, I have uh, the yeast base saison strains, both their uh, blend one and blend two, and their Wallonian farmhouse uh, in a batch of my saison experimental going right now. In fact, they should be transferring to the kegs this weekend. Uh, and then I also got from Juno as well, I got some extract, and I made a really nice funky uh, kettle sour beer with the extract that people will hear about. But the thing I'm really, really super excited about, uh, two things. Uh, or actually three things, sorry. The things I'm really excited about are got to play around with a jaded hydro chiller, which I know you and I will be talking about uh, shortly. So we'll save the information on that uh, for a little bit later. Right. Uh, but I also got in the mail, I got the, a strain from White Labs' vault called the uh, Lewinhook uh, Saison blend. It's a blend of a couple of different Saison yeasts that they've released from their vault. And I have that to play with now. Everybody who's had it down at the White Labs tasting room raves about it, so I can't wait to throw that into a batch of Saison. And then from Bootleg Biology, I've got two strains that came in. Uh, one is their Saccharomyces arlingtogenesis. Uh, I butchered that terribly, but basically Boy, wild yeah. Saccharomyces captured from around the Arlington, Virginia area. And then also they they took from the uh, Milk the Funk meetup in Baltimore at uh, HomebrewCon, 
Uh, they took a whole bunch of samples from everybody's beers that they had and produced their Baltifunk Mega Blend. And so I have that as well. Oh, cool. And that's going to be fun to play with. Yay! Boy, no kidding, man. I met those guys uh, when I was in Nashville about a year and a half ago for the Music City Brew Off, and they seem like really nice people, and they are really dedicated to getting some really out there yeasts for people to play with. So yeah, well, and uh, and hopefully we'll have them on the show before too long because uh, yeah, pretty damn rad. Yeah, right. Okay, so that's uh, that's just kind of like getting caught up on stuff that we should have talked about a long time ago. Uh, next episode, we'll be talking about uh, more stuff. Uh, we had some uh, Lawfren family ale malt that we've been brewing with, uh, some Great Western Sacra 50, and the uh, Chillers from Jaded. Uh, Drew and I each ended up with a, a Hydra and a Corny Pillar to check out, and uh, I- I've used the Hydra. Hopefully, you'll use the Corny Pillar this coming week, and then we can start talking about those. But in the meantime... We're going to take a quick break, play some music here, and when we come back, we'll be talking to Falcons, who are brewing with Falcons. Never wait for fruit to be in season again. With Vintner's Harvest fruit purees and wine bases, you can enjoy consistent quality fruit, which was picked at the peak of ripeness. F.H. Steinbart Company, the nation's oldest homebrew store, recommends grapefruit or tart cherry purees for your next sour or wild beer. So make sure to ask for them at your local homebrew supply store where Brewcraft USA products are sold. And remember, not all fruit purees are equal. If it's not in the Vintner's Harvest can, it's not the same. Alrighty, we're back, and we are going to be talking to Falcons, uh, Malto's Falcons to be specific. Drew's Club uh, does a yearly Brew with a Falcon event, and Drew, before I screw things up, I'll just let you talk about it. Yeah, so this is something we started a few years back. We uh, I've referred to it as Brew with a Falcon, and in some ways it's actually related to the Homebrew All-Stars book, because... If you've heard me talk about it before, you know I'm a big fan, a big proponent of the idea of getting out there and brewing with others, but most importantly, getting out there and brewing with others at their houses. You know, get get there and brew with people in situ, not, you know, hey, everybody drag your kettles out to a parking lot, uh, because I think that's very important to see how people brew when they're actually brewing at home, as they usually do. And so what we do is we have a couple senior members of the club. Uh, this year, we had five open up their houses and host various members of the club who signed up online to come over to their house, hang out for the day, brew with them, have some food, maybe have a couple of beers, maybe. Uh, and in the meanwhile, just maybe. kind of learn and have some fun and uh, have a have a great lesson. And really, just a damn good excuse to brew and have a beer. So while they were doing all that, I, uh, I made a phone call to uh, Drew and four other brewers who were uh, hosting events that day. And they kind of like uh, filled me in on what was going on. So uh, here come the Brew with a Falcon interviews, uh, starting off with Mr. Beecham himself. Oh, God. <laughs> All right. We have Drew on the phone here to start off. How's things in the Pasadena jungles today? 
Oh, they're good. We're at a nice, uh, warm 92 degrees. Uh, we got a bunch of folks standing around outside, and we have, currently we have two batches of beer going, uh, and we're in the middle of the second uh, sparge of our batch sparge of our 15-gallon batch of Saison that I'm going to test with the white, uh, or sorry, the East Bay Saison uh, uh, strains. Cool. So how many people you got there today? Uh, we have 10. Wow. That's that's a real crowd, man. Yeah, t- 10 people and two dogs. <laughs> so what are you brewing? Uh, so I've got, uh, right now we've got uh, 15 gallons of Saison Experimental uh, with the U Space strings uh, going on my main rig. On the Pico Brew that I have, the Zygmatic, we have a batch of what I'm calling right now uh, Little Banshee, which is a Irish farmhouse ale using the Laughlin uh, family malts that we talked about in the last episode. Right. And uh, we've got that going, and it's going to have the Irish malts, just some real simple uh, magnum hops and some uh, caramelized sugar. And then it's going to be fermented with a culture of Britannomyces isolated from Phantom. Wow, that sounds interesting. And then a little bit, once we get our uh, HLT water restruck, we're going to go and uh, make a uh, three-gallon batch of a almond blossom honey mead. And we are also going to make, uh, courtesy of uh, BSG, I have some Brees wheat malt here, and we're going to make a uh, five-gallon no-boil uh Kettle sour wheat beer. Jeez, man, that sounds pretty darn ambitious. I know you, you, you got to figure. Right? Yeah, I've got enough hands over here to be able to do some work, right? so that's what we're doing. So, is anybody else brewing, or are they all just uh, diving in on yours? No. It, so the whole idea with Brew of Falcon is that everybody is coming to your particular place to see how it is that you brew, or how it is that you brew poorly. In my case, uh, since. Uh, we've had some issues with our batch sparks today. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Yeah, that's how it goes. Uh, but, no, so everybody's here. We're about to, uh, after we're done with this interview, we're going to make some tacos, because Southern California. And uh, we're also enjoying some nice beers. We start off with some uh, house uh, lager, which is kind of a craft brew American lager. And I think we're going to close up the day with uh, some uh, Do a Me, which was a collaboration between uh, Brasserie DuPont and uh, Tommy Arthur of Lost Abbey, right? Uh, which is basically the DuPont recipe with American hops. It's really awesome. Wow. Wow. Sounds great. I almost wish I was there, except for the 92 degrees almost. part. Yeah, well, 92 it, it, It's actually probably the most normal thing that, you, that you'd ever catch me brewing. <laughs> I guess that's true. So is there, like, one one big overall lesson you're trying to teach today or, uh, you know, the, something you're trying to get across to all these people? Yeah, well, I mean, today, uh, today it's really about, I, if you look at all the, the recipes that we're doing, you know, the extract beer will be super quick to do. It's super easy and something that a lot of people aren't thinking about. Oh, you know, you can totally do this and there's a valid reason to do it. The Pico Brew, I wanted to show people, you know, uh, the system and how it works, and I also wanted people to get a chance to play around with the Irish malt that, uh, that we found. Uh, and then the main brew is to teach people about doing yeast experimentation. Uh, but really importantly, and also the mead brew is also to show people that you can throw off the mead in about 15 minutes during the middle of your brew day. So there's no reason not to if you have the honey. Right, right. Well, uh, have a great day, man. It sounds like you guys uh, have 
quite a bit on your plate today, besides the tacos. Yeah, I agree, and and I have to run because they've opened up a beer without me. Uh oh, well, all righty. We'll talk to you soon, then. Have a great day. Yeah, all right. Uh, talk to you later, Dave. All right, bye bye. Okay, here we go. Just kind of like real radio. Okay. Alrighty. Next up here is Craig Frump. Hey, Craig, how are you? How's it going today? Good. So, uh, where about in the LA area are you? Uh, north, north, as far north as you're gonna get in LA County. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, being being from the middle of nowhere in Oregon, that means practically nothing to me. So. Yeah. Yeah. We're uh, I'm like up by Cal State Lake, yeah, which is uh, north north LA County. Cool. So, uh, how many people you got there today brewing with you? Um, we got four. Cool. What are you guys making yeah. today? But today I'm doing an Imperial Porter, uh, and with that we're going to do a party guile and do a brown ale. Nice. So we're doing 15 gallons of a uh, Imperial Porter and 15 gallons of a brown ale. Wow. You guys, you guys go big down there. I just yeah. talked to Drew, and he's <laughs> yeah. like, he's, I think he's like up to like 50 gallons total for the day or something, man. It's yeah. Like, well, you, you've seen my system, I know. Yeah. Um, online i'm sure that i have man uh so tell me a bit about your uh, your imperial porter recipe anything special about it what, what, what? Uh, not really but i'm using uh fuggles um nor uh, northern brewer hold on i gotta bring it up yep yeah uh magnum and that's pretty much it for the hops uh oh wait so oh, from columbus yeah. Uh, but the, the recipe is uh, Maris Otter, Munich, um, some Crystal 120, uh, and chocolate malt and some brown malt. And are you going with an English yeast with that? Yes, uh, 005. Right, right, yeah, cool, yeah. man. Yeah, so I did an English mild uh, last week to build up the yeast, and now we're doing, doing a bigger beer. Right, and you're going to use the same yeast in in the, your party guile brew, also the brown? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Great. So, um, is is there like one one main lesson you're trying to teach people today? What are you trying to get across to them about home brewing? Uh, the, I'm teaching party guy how to get two beers out of one mash. Uh, that's a good thing to know for sure. Yeah. So. So people, you know, a lot of people do big beers and they just end up dumping out a lot of really good, you know, work because they, you know, they made the beer they're looking for, but. If you have a, if you have another eight gallon pot, you can boil another five gallons of beer and get two beers out of it. Right. So you actually have two boil setups going at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I got two uh, thirty gallon boil pots set up, and we're going to do fifteen gallons in each, or yeah, about twenty gallons to start in each one. Right. Man, I'm 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 blown away. It's it's all I can do to handle a five gallon batch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm impressed, man. <laughs> okay, well, well I will what Denny's doing is even more imp I mean not Denny, yeah, what uh um Drew's doing is really impressive. Yeah. Three batches of beer on three different systems in one day, you I, know. Well, but we know he's crazy. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> you know that that accounts for a lot of it. Well, listen, man, I'm going to let you get back to work because uh, I know you're going to be busy. Uh, thanks for talking to us, Craig, and have a great yep. brew day today. You too. Thank you. All right, man. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye.
And we are rolling, so we'll just pretend like this is like a real radio interview, so. Okay. Okay, next brewer is Nancy Gold. How's it going today, Nancy? Great. How are you doing, Denny? Uh, you know, like I was saying earlier, I'd rather be brewing, but uh, <laughs> that's <laughs> actually what I'm going to be doing tomorrow. So. Uh, so what part of the L.A. area are you in? Agora Hills. Uh, okay, I, being from uh, the middle of nowhere in Oregon, I guess that doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot to me. Yeah, it's the, it's the very northern, western edge of Los Angeles County. Um, the city is Agora Hills. Right. Just south of Westlake and Thousand Oaks. Oh, cool. I, I know where Westlake is. And inland is, from Malibu. <laughs> oh, that doesn't sound too bad. Uh, so how many people you got there today brewing with you? Yeah, well, there's five of us. Not wow. a big thing. So, what are you making today? Making a, a clone of the Union Jack IPA. Oh, that's a really good beer. I like that one a lot. Mm. So I know we're drinking it too. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's inspiration and karma, right? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so, so what's your recipe for that look like? Just real briefly. Um, it's. It's like, well, we're making 10 gallons. It's like 24 um, pounds of um, American two-row and then a little, like, couple, two-and-a-half pounds of Munich, little carapils, pound-and-a-half, uh, and a pound and a quarter of, uh, I use the Belgian 8L because the uh, normally it would be like a crystal 10. Oh, yeah, right. Something like that. Right, right. Yeah, that's the grain bill. What's the hopping like? The hopping is... It's all over the place. It's like um, pretty standard in timing, like, but then it's just like a lot of different little bits of a lot of different hops, kind of. Uh, really? so they're sorry, I'm going through my recipe now. I didn't have it. Um, here we are. Um, it's like a magnum for for uh, bitterness and Columbus. Centennial, Cascade, Columbus, Amarillo. Wow. Sounds like, it sounds like a lot of my favorite hops there. Uh, so um, is, is there like one, one big lesson you're trying to teach people today? What are you trying to get across to them about home brewing? Hello, you still there? Hello, Nancy. You still there? Okay. I think I think that we are having some phone problems here, and we've left we've lost Nancy. So, uh, Nancy, if you can hear me, thanks for being there, with. Ah, you're back. There you are. Um, yeah. What? That was weird. What was, happened? I don't know, man. It's like it's like we had the devil take over the phone line or something. Like that. <gasps> Severe devil. <laughs> okay. So well, what? What did you get? <laughs> what did you last hear me say? Uh, I I heard you talking about the hopping and you know how it was so complex and everything. So it's just it's just like a bunch of different hops is all. It's put a lot of different hops in it. Yeah, right. Well, and a lot of those are some of my favorite hops too. So that could explain why I like that beer so much. Uh, <laughs> so is is there one like? particular message about homebrewing you're trying to get across to people today? Well, we're playing Jenga and Cornhole, and um, my message would be, 
you can have fun when you're brewing. It can be a blast. It doesn't have to just be a lot of work. It's it just you can have fun too. You know that. You is, know, I'm also. I'm sorry. I was going to say that that is always my message about home brewing. Uh, it's supposed to be fun, damn it! And if you're not having fun, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> right on. And you can make tacos while you're doing it. Drew uh, is making tacos, too. I'm getting hungry, you guys. This is no fair. Carne asada. Oh, jeez. <laughs> now I'm really jealous. <laughs> okay, Nancy. Well, I'm going to let you get back to work now. Thanks a whole bunch for being with us today. Okay. Yeah, no problem. All right. Talk to you later. Okay. Thank you. you Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Almost there. Okay, we're rolling. Next up, we've got Dominic Washington. How's it going today, man? We're doing good. How are we doing? Uh, you know, it's like I've been saying to everybody else. I'd been be doing a lot better if I was brewing like you guys are. But uh. <laughs> hey, you're still part of the team and involved. You know, like it's a team effort. We got to make this happen one way or another. <laughs> cool, man. Well, I, I get I get my chance tomorrow. I've got all my stuff ready to go for brewing tomorrow. So, unfortunately, right it's, it's going to be the hottest day of the week here tomorrow, too. So, Shoot. Yeah. Well, I doubt it's going to be as hot as last week. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, I, I can get it. It's been really bad down there, huh? Yeah. Well, we're, we're down and downy, so we're kind of coastal. It's not too bad. Oh. It's actually kind of nice. That's nice, man. So, how many yeah. people you got there brewing with you today? So we're doing two beers today. Um, one is our standard all-grain uh, batch. We're doing 10 gallons of uh, amber ale, which will get turned into a strawberry amber ale uh, mm. after a primary is complete. Uh, but we're also, you know, by the notion of Drew Beecham, we're doing a little extract beer, a five-gallon uh, Citra IPA with the, the BSG Bryce light Tilden malt that we got from, uh, from, from BSG. Wow. That's cool, man. Uh, and then, well, actually, uh, also, let me just touch in. We're also making uh, a variety of breads based on uh, spent yeast and grain from various different types of uh, beer uh, profiles, or I should say beer um, mass grain, uh, what am I trying to say, the uh, grain bill. And then we're using, like, also not only lager yeast, but ale yeast to do different types of fermentation in the bread that gives different flavors based on the malt sugars that we feed it derived from little mini mashes that we made to, uh, you know, get the bread starters going. That That is freaking insane, buddy. That sounds really cool. Bread baking is my uh, my other hobby besides uh, brewing. Uh, I, uh, I'm, I'm a dedicated sourdough bread baker. So, uh, oh, I love baking. Yeah. My, my grandfather was a baker, old Italian baker. He ran a bakery in Southgate. And so I have all of his old equipment, and I, you know, just grew up watching him bake. So it was a natural progression, honestly. It started out with making dog biscuits because my dogs would eat the spent grain when I was transferring it to the mash uh, to the uh, uh, compost pile. Right. And then I, I stumbled upon, oh, you could actually. It's okay for him to eat, and I found recipes, and I saw you could actually bake with it. And yeah, now it's just it's a. The downhill slope, you know how it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, and and I think that uh, my doctor would rather have me find a, a different hobby. You know, it's like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, t I told him I was going to get into cheese making too, and he almost had a heart attack. <laughs> well, you know, just because of the LA Beer Week kickoff party that Lily Madrid organized for the Falcons, she got us involved, and we made some sodas. And, and now we're on a soda jerk kick, man. Like, the, the soda thing is kind of awesome, and people have been hitting us up 
seem like they want it. So we're just like, hey, you know, like we got the expertise as brewers to kind of just whip sodas out. And it's, it's a lot of fun, too. We actually made a 7-Up uh, a, a clone and a ginger ale wow. yesterday for today's brew day so we can have nice non-alcoholic beverages. <laughs> That's Man, that is a great, great idea. And uh, hopefully people out there will take note of that and, and try it themselves. So, so is there... Yeah. What 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 is it you're trying to get across to uh, to new brewers today about home brewing? Well, definitely in the sense with the um, the extract brew, we're making this thing happen fast. You know, we 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 mashed. Well, we did a little mini mash. Started that at like eleven o'clock, and we're we're just about to hot break right now. And you know that means what we started at eleven. It's twelve. That we're almost two hours in. We're, we're going to be about three hours and 15 minutes in, and we're going to have cold, fermentable work ready to go in fermenters that we can push aside and we're done. You know, uh, th- that's the, the easy way to step into it and really get you, your feet wet, if you will, you know. But then we got this big mash going on, and there are actually a couple of home brewers here that don't do all-grain mash or all-grain brewing, and they're here getting their hands dirty, and they're, they're definitely interested in uh, inspired, I could even say, by what they're seeing because they're, we, we, we do things kind of weird here. We definitely work outside of the box, the, the normal box, if you will, and we do things in our own little way. And it's kind of funny seeing people uh, react to some thing that they're familiar with, but in a totally different method that they're not familiar with. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That, that's way cool, man. And that's one of the cool things about homebrewing, too, is that there's like, something for everybody you know no matter what you want to do you can find a way that's going to work for you you know yeah well that's the beauty of being a home brewer you just make it happen (laughs) one way or another you know (laughs) very very true okay dom thanks a whole bunch for being with us today have a great brew day man good stuff danny thank you thank you for doing everything you're doing for us and we'll see you soon all right buddy take care bye-bye all right have a good day Alrighty, here we go, man. Our final brewer today is Andy Ziskin. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing pretty good, Danny. How about yourself? Uh, great, man. I'd be better if I was brewing, but uh, I got to wait till tomorrow to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, what part of LA are you in? Uh, I'm in North Hollywood. Um, which, for people who aren't in the LA area, it is not in Hollywood. It's in the San Fernando Valley. Yeah. Is it uh, going to be incredibly hot there today? Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty hot out. I've got a couple of pop-ups and a big umbrella set up, and and we're still uh, enjoying the heat for sure. Trying to stay cool with a couple of cold beers. Yeah, right. So, how many people you got there brewing with you today? Um, I believe it's myself and eight other guys. We yeah. had a. Uh, we had one girl, but she had to leave early. So that's quite a crowd. What do you What do you yeah, brewing today? What do you brewing today, Andy? So we are uh, we're brewing uh, a recipe that I just kind of came up with on the fly. It's going to be what I'm calling an imperial steam beer, or maybe I should call it a, a cow common. But uh, it, it's basically a cow common recipe uh, taken to the extreme. So almost like a barley wine, but I'm doing it with the California lager yeast and the, a lot of northern brewer hops. Wow, man, that sounds pretty intense. Yeah, it should be pretty good. And then uh, we're also doing a, uh, a quick extract batch. It's going to go into a, a sour barrel that I have going. We'll be 
pulling off a few gallons and adding a few more gallons back in with uh, the quick sour, the quick extract batch we're doing. You know, and I think that that is a uh, a really good uh, use for an extract batch too. Not that not that you can't make great beer on, uh, with extract, but uh, putting it into a, a barrel to sour with a bunch of other stuff is uh, a really good way to hide any possible issues that there might be. With exactly, it, so. exactly, and it's um, you know I'm not I'm not too worried about how you know what percentage of unfermentables I'll have in there because. <laughs> you know, the, hopefully those bugs will chew on those later. Yeah, that's right, man. They will take care of that for you. So, uh, is there is there any one big theme that you're trying to get across to new brewers today? Something you you want them to really take to heart? Well, so the, I think the big thing that, that I was trying to concentrate on was uh, since we were we're doing a a fairly high gravity lager batch, um, we're we're reusing uh, a pitch that uh, we actually kegged uh, first thing after we got the mash going. Um, so, so it was just basically demonstrating how I was going to, you know, get the yeast out of the fermenter um, into a, a nice big Erlenmeyer flask. We're letting that settle out a little bit. And uh, we actually, we just started chilling, so we'll be, uh, you know, pouring off the, uh, off the top of that flask and then, uh, you know, just using the, the good yeast that settles out. Uh, as we pitch it into the the new batch that we're almost done with. Cool, man. Great idea. Well, uh, I won't take any more of your time. I know that you got important things to do, like brewing. So <laughs> <laughs> have a great day. Cool. Say hi to everybody there for me. I will indeed. All right, Andy. Thanks for joining right. us. Thanks, Danny. You bet. Bye-bye. All right. Well, hey, I hope uh, everybody had a fun time listening to a bunch of silly people having fun. And I really want to thank... Uh, Andy, Dominic, Craig, and Nancy for also hosting Event Sites and agreeing to be silly enough to be interviewed for us by, uh, on this podcast. Uh, I always have a great time with this event, and I also think this is an event that's easily within the reach of every homebrew club that's out there. And heck, it doesn't have to be a homebrew club event. You know, when you're brewing at home, bring people over, invite, invite your neighbors, invite your friends, invite anybody who seems to have a passing interest in beer. Who knows? They might be stupid enough to like the hobby. <laughs> yeah, you know, our, our club does something kind of similar. Uh, if somebody's brewing, uh, they will generally just put out a message on the uh, club discussion group, say, I'm brewing today if anybody wants to come by and get involved. And, uh, you know, kind of kind of like a, a mini brew with a Falcon thing. Yeah, and, well, and I, and I like one of the aspects that we, we've made sure is in Brew with a Falcon is each of the sites is supposed to kind of have a, a – lesson a point and so right. I, I always think that's fun because that that kind of drives it a little bit more than just random you know hanging out and having a beer yeah right and as as you heard in the interviews everybody got to talk a little bit about what they were trying to teach that day so you yeah. can kind of get an idea of uh, of what's there so. yeah so there you go cool easy cheap event that every club can do but you know what it's time for us to stop brewing with a falcon and it's time for us to get on to our next part that's right. We're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, you will be either gifted or terrorized <laughs> with our, uh, our seminar from uh, HomebrewCon in Baltimore this year. We'll be right back. All 
All right. At uh, Homebrew Con in Baltimore this year, uh, Drew and I did a seminar together, and uh, it was called Brew Like an All-Star, based on uh, on our book, Homebrew All-Stars. And uh, we kind of detailed some people and what their lessons are and kind of talked about how you can be an all-star, too, uh, by teaching other people. So uh, without further ado, here is How to Brew Like an All-Star by Denny and Drew from HomebrewCon 2016 in Baltimore. Ladies and gentlemen, please be aware before we start this recording, if you have small children or those who are easily mentally damaged, please be aware there is ukulele playing. Please protect those that you care about. <laughs> Put the earplugs in. Hello, everyone. Thank you for coming. Um, this talk is How to Brew Like an All-Star with Drew Beecham and Denny Kahn. If that's not the talk you want to see, check your guide and go there. Or stay here and listen to these two. A um, couple of housekeeping things. Uh, please shut off your phones, put them on silent, or turn them off entirely. Uh, please also be respectful to the speakers and don't have loud conversations. If you want to talk about, you know... Something else, feel free to go outside. If you want to exclaim loudly at something they said, then you should stay and do that. Um, let's see. So, okay, the other, th other housekeeping thing is that in the guidebook, there, um, there's a typo. The members meeting tomorrow is not on the 100 level, 307, 308. It's on the 300 level, 307, 308. That's the room you're in right now. So the members meeting will be here tomorrow. And that is everything. So, Drew Beecham and Denny Kahn um, probably don't need much of an introduction, but I will say that they've both been brewing for a very long time. Um, they've co-written two books. Drew's written two by himself, uh, I guess because he doesn't like to share with Denny all the time. Yeah. Uh, that's just the way they are. Um, although they do, uh, they do have a very close relationship now with... Uh, the two books under their belt, and maybe maybe working on a third one. We'll see what happens. Third and fourth. They've got the podcast going. Uh, yeah, they're both very busy. Uh, check out Denny's website at cheap and, cheap and, no, dennybrew.com with his Cheap and Easy Brewing. I know a lot of people have taken up batch sparging thanks to Denny. And uh, Drew has written some of the crazier recipes I've ever seen, including an avocado. Was that a Saison? Guacamole Saison. Guacamole Saison, yeah. Um, some pretty crazy Clam stuff. Chowder Clam chowder saison. I didn't see that one. I think I'm. I think I'm grateful. I didn't see that one. Um, anyway, so like I said, the title of their talk is "How to Brew Like an All Star." I think the uh, the quick and easy answer for that is to be Drew Beecham or Denny Kahn. But since that's not accessible for most of us, uh, they're going to explain their way. So here you go. All right, welcome to the only homebrew talk that is going to feature the ukulele. So we're going to just start uh, with something that we are legally required to do according to the 1978 federal omnibus law that made homebrewing legal. So we're sorry, but here we go. May Maestro. the Lord have mercy on my soul for what I'm about to do to you. <laughs> it's just about time. It's just about time Don't you think it's about time We talked about beer Sing along! So come on in 
yeah, come on in. Just come on in and pour yourself a beer. Everybody sing. Beer, 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 beer. Beer, 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 beer. Beer, 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 beer. Beer, 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 beer. Thank you. Denny will be signing later. <laughs> All right. So Tom already talked most of this, but uh, just to get the commercial out of the way, this is what we do. Uh, the two books together. The two books I did uh, without Denny, of course, I did before Denny, because how could I ever do anything now without Denny? <laughs> you people would consider me cruel. That's right. <laughs> uh, and so we also do our podcast together. But let's really get into the meat of everything. All right, Denny, you want to take it away? So... Before we can talk about how to be an all-star, we need to decide what an all-star is, right? All-star is not just winning competitions, medals, ribbons, and awards. I mean, that is a really cool thing. It's great. Congrats if you do that. But there's a lot more to it. Uh, a homebrew all-star teaches. They use the knowledge that they've gained to pass along to other people to further the hobby. Uh, they innovate. They come up with new ideas to help people brew more easily and have more fun. Because this is a hobby, right? It's all about fun. And if you're not having fun, you're doing it wrong. Uh, the other thing you need to do is support other people, especially other brewers. Give them your time. Give them your help. Um, and, you know, just be part of the homebrew community. And, of course, the most important thing that a homebrewing all-star has to do is they have to brew, all right? Now, if you don't brew, well, okay, you might be an all-star about a great many things, but I can't really call you a homebrew all-star. And, I mean, after all, I think Denny over here uh, sort of emphasizes that, or illustrates this idea with batch number 500 that happened, what, last week? Yep, 500 batches last week. But we will say a very important part, and it's something that I've... I've discovered in my brewing over the, over the years is it's easy to say brew a lot. Brew, 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 brew. Uh, the problem is if you're like me, that starts to get a little boring or it starts to be a little routine. And so really the challenge that, that we're going to give to everybody is that you have to find ways to make it new and exciting to you. All right? And that's really at the heart of some of this. Uh, just a real quick show of hands since we're talking about doing new things. Uh, how many of you have been brewing for just a year? Okay, we've got a few of you out there. All right, two. All right, five. And ten or more. <laughs> okay, uh, right. 20 or more. 20 or more. Whoa, 25? Since the day you were born? <laughs> I've been fermenting right here since the day I was born. <laughs> All right, now, how many of you brew still at least once a year? That should be most everybody in this room, right? You'd be surprised. I've known some brewers in my homebrew club, for instance, who love to show up at the homebrew club. I don't think they've touched a brew kettle in 10 years. All right, how many, how many you brew three times a year? Monthly? All right, and then every other week? All right. Any, anybody crazy enough to still be doing it every week? Yeah, okay. Right, and then how many of you out there have tried a new ingredient or technique or style 
in the last four batches. Yeah. My people. You people Thank rock. You. <laughs> All right. So here's our all-star experiences real quick. I started out in 99. I've done, uh, I got started by doing batches of beer with other people because I have a real strong belief that brewing is one of those things that's best learned by doing and best learned by doing with others. And so I brewed at least 20 different batches of beers and I did something very uncharacteristic of me. I am a nerd first and foremost. I know that's a shock. Uh, but I am a nerd, which means I have all the nerdish antisocial tendencies, which also means I tend to go home and go, I am home. Right? I don't tend to put myself out there. But when I started brewing, very uncharacteristically for me, I invited myself over and brewed with 20 other people by going, hey, so you're brewing. You mind if I come over and hang out? I'll bring some beer. Amazingly, that actually seems to work. All right, Denny. Yeah, I, I, uh, I started in uh, 98, uh, in March of 98. Uh, I could probably tell you the exact day, but who cares? He's got um, it written in a logbook. I didn't, have, I didn't know other people around me who were homebrewing, so I uh, kind of got most of my knowledge from reading books, and there wasn't a whole lot of internet uh, available at that time, but there was a Usenet discussion group called Recrafts Brewing. I see Dixon back there. Mike Dixon was on that also. Uh, he's probably one of the first brew friends that I met, although I didn't meet him until years later because we were online in this news group. Uh, so basically between that and the Homebrew Digest mailing list and a couple other online resources, I kind of like figured out how to do all-grain brewing and did it all by myself the first time without having anybody else seen it. And uh, like Drew said, just last week I brewed my 500th batch of beer. So, uh, you know, you, there, you can do it yourself. It's easier if you have somebody to help you. Real quick, how many of you have ever had a question answered by Denny on, a, on an Internet forum? I'm fairly certain there isn't an internet forum that Denny is not on. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> All right. So uh, here we go. Let's uh, quick questions here. Uh, so you see our two different experiences. How many of you have, have been brewing a lot with other people? All right. How many of you do your brewing primarily online or your brewing informational stuff? All right. So. It's mostly people still brewing with others, which makes me happy. Maybe it doesn't him. <laughs> All right. So when we did the book that, that this talk is named after, we did a big survey. And we sent it out on the Internet. We had over 600 people uh, take it. Of course, given the audience selection, you kind of have to take some of the results as a grain of salt. The average home brewer from our survey, 30 to 39. The average age, 34. Works in a technical field with the vast majority being uh, in some sort of IT and then uh, has graduated college or beyond. Uh, anybody surprised by any of that? Yeah. How many of you work in the IT world right now? Uh-huh. All right. And then we also used... <laughs> exactly. Well, and, and we didn't ask about uh, gender and race, but the HA has in the past. 94% of our respondents were male, 78% of them were married, and 88% were white European descent. Uh, none of which is surprising, but we also uh, totally forgot to ask about probably the most crucial question, but we decided it was too obvious and we didn't ask it. We didn't ask about the beards. <laughs> All right. So now we get into our Jung. How many people know who Carl Jung is? Uh, Carl, uh, Carl Jung is probably the, uh, the father of modern pop psychology or 
really modern psychoanalysis, uh, was a student or sort of protege of Freud, fell out of favor with him, uh, is responsible for much of what we, what we talk about nowadays, and he's 100% responsible for any of those online quizzes that you ever take that tries to tell you which one of the hobbits you are. <laughs> All right? Uh, and so amongst Jung's key uh, concepts was a thing called archetypes. And to grossly simplify it and probably piss off anybody who actually understands all this stuff far better than I do, uh, it's basically a fundamental underlying programming for a species, uh, it was, was what he argued about. And it's adapted into our cultures as like these images. Uh, he talks about key images a lot. The great mother, the great father figure, the trickster, the maiden, uh, the hero. There's a whole bunch. There's 12 main ones. And we use this all the time in popular culture and marketing. Go and take a look at any fantasy story. You find Jungian archetypes all over this stuff. Uh, and naturally, being Denny and I, we decided to do something completely stupid with Jung. <laughs> so why bother with the archetypes? Because we think it's important to understand the type of brewer that you are to be able to be a better all-star. And also figure out why you brew the way that you do and how you can learn. Uh, and we really do hope that this becomes the Brewer's equivalent of the Zodiac. You know, instead of saying, hey, uh, what's your sign? You can say things to somebody like, that's such an old school master thing to say. <laughs> we really want to see that happen. It's not going to, but it'll be fun. <laughs> All right, it's time for a quiz. Denny, you want to lead the, uh, the boys right. and girls? All right, we're going to ask you five questions. And what we want you to do is remember what your answers are. Uh, if you have a uh, pen and paper, write them down. This is going to help diagnose what sort of brewery you are. There's going to be an A, B, C, and D in every category, so rank them in order of which one of those most relates to you, okay? Question number one. It's 2 a.m. on a sleepless night. To lull myself to sleep, I begin to think about my next brew day. A, that blot of mustard on my shirt from earlier tonight reminds me a mustard beer would be interesting to try. That's, that's him. <laughs> hmm. Which molten hop should I use in my next smash beer? C, I should brew an English barley wine so I'm ready for Christmas. D, when do the fruit orchards begin to bloom this year? Okay, everybody got those? Here comes the next question. Wait, hold Wait. Give everybody a second. Eeny, meeny, <laughs> miny, mo. Here we go. Where are you when inspiration strikes you for your next batch of beer? At your local micro flour mill, discovering they have Tibetan purple barley, <laughs> or reading online about Neo-Mexicanus hops, or wanting to know now that you've heard the name. B, flipping through the pages of Sinmar or ASNS's latest catalog. And if you're that type, you'll know what that means. <laughs> C, your English pub. D, watching a documentary on the bee men of Africa. All right. Everybody got those? Hold on. I, I would do think what you, were, what you were whistling earlier, but I don't want to be served by, uh, sued by Mer Merv Griffin. And, and I never learned to play it on the ukulele, so you're spared that. Yeah, all right. Next okay. One. In order of importance, rank these elements in terms of your brewing priorities, with one being the highest priority and four being the lowest. A is developing a beer that makes people go, what? B, dialing in on my process. C, using traditional techniques to make perfect beer. Or D, 
coaxing complex characters from multiple microorganisms. Okay? Three, two, one, go on. When you sit down with a glass of beer, what are you looking for on the first sip? A, a flavor that makes you think, how did they do this? B, a beer that tastes just like the last one you had from that brewery. C, a reassuring blend of familiar flavors. Or D, something so sour you make a scrunchy face. Okay? Three, two, one. Last question. Last question. Imagine yourself in the plumbing department of a large home improvement store. If you're like me, you've got the plumbing department memorized. I can walk in there and close my eyes and grab what I need. As you peruse the aisles, what are you thinking? A, I don't know what that thing is, but I need it. <laughs> B, how would that affect my mash runoff? C, that's just like the valve I saw a picture of in a German brewery. And D, I could use that to make a separate fermenter for my wild beers. Okay, everybody got all that? All right. Three, two, one, and here's Drew with the answers. All right, so what we want you to do is go and look at what all your answers were. If you uh, said A as your heaviest answer in terms of what your points were, you are uh, an, an old school master. Wait, no, that's not right. Ah, dang it, we screwed up the, the, the key. All right. <laughs> I love it, I love it. But don't worry, I know what the proper key is. A is a recipe innovator. Right, so if you answered mostly A, you're a recipe innovator type. B is a scientist process nerd. Uh, C is the old school master. And D is the wild one. All right, see now you know what sort of hobbit you are. <laughs> All right, so let's do a quick show of hands here. Uh, how many people fell into the recipe innovator category? All right, how many of you fell into the process geek? Yeah, my people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, how many of you fell into the old school master? Oh. Fred, I'm really surprised. <laughs> <laughs> and how many of you fell into the wild ones? Uh, you see, you are a small but noble breed. <laughs> and we love you for it. You all right, and now, of course, everybody always reacts. Hey, 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 I'm not just this one thing. I'm not just an old school master. I'm not just, I, I like my, my recipe and process stuff. Well, here's where I'm going to abuse Whitman. Because uh, Whitman said, yeah, exactly. Whitman just said, do I contradict myself? Very well then. I contradict myself. I am large. I contain multitudes. So there you are. All right. So if, you, uh, if you're worried about, uh, hey, I'm not just this one thing, don't worry, none of us are. We all have our various sides. And now, just because we can. <laughs> oh, it's so silly. If beer tradition is what you're after, take a look at the old school master. And the Oscar for best crowd reaction goes to y'all. <laughs>
All right, so the old school master, it's exactly what you expect. Tradition is the key word. Uh, they are probably the people who are out there celebrating the anniversary of the Ryan Hutzkaboot. Uh, and they excuse crazy in terms of purity. I don't know about you, but sometimes German and purity gets a little strange in my head and I get a little fearful. <laughs> all right, so the good and the bad, because all of these types have good and bad things that go along with them. The good is that they're incredibly passionate, incredibly deep in their knowledge on their particular subject. You can go find the guy who could probably tell you a Bavarian brewery's history for the last 500 years and why there was a big controversy when some brewmaster in the 1800s did this other thing. Now, so that's their depth of knowledge and their passion about it. And to me, I'm not this guy. I'm sure you're surprised. Um, <laughs> But the most important thing that these people do is they preserve the tradition in the face of all the craziness that we're doing. I love being crazy. But you know what? It makes me feel good that there are people out there who know how to brew a perfect pilsner and who obsess over it because that way they serve as our anchor and our reference point. All right? The bad, of course, is they do have tunnel vision and a total lack of flexibility and will look at you like, hey, that's not how they did it 300 years ago, so you're bad. Clam chowder saison? <laughs> All right, fitting. So here's an example of a guy in the book who uh, is an old school master. This is a guy uh, from Norway named Lars Marius Garshall. We like to call him the Alan Lomax of beer. If you guys know who Alan Lomax was, he uh, toured through the South doing a lot of, uh, of the earliest recordings of blues musicians and preserving a lot of the blues tradition that we have around now. Lars does the same thing with beer. This guy is just like too cool. He, he's not so much a brewer himself, but he hooks up with brewers and with families who brew and goes around and recreates traditional recipes, sometimes with yeasts that have been in these families for hundreds of years. Um, and then he writes about it. He has an amazing blog, uh, Lars blog, should you care to go check it out. It is just absolutely remarkable, the, the travels he's made through uh, northern Europe and the beers that he's brewed and the processes that he's recreated. This guy is definitely, without a doubt, an old school master above all. All right, and then, of course, we have to have recipes. And uh, we chose one of Annie's recipes. Uh, Annie, who you'll see down, downstairs with the Pico Brew uh, crew. Uh, and, of course, she's in the old school master category. And she just has a classical uh, pilsner. And keep in mind, Annie uh, won here for a light lager that she did. But she also won the big award for Pilsner Hotel as their homebrew uh, master, you know, recreating their style of beer. So this is the kind of thing that you'd expect to see from an old school master. Right. Very straight ahead. Uh, apparently, uh, when Pilsner Urkel's brewmaster tasted Annie's beer, he said, this makes me feel like I'm at home. <laughs> yeah, that's, that is an old school master right there. Here we go again. Scientists, geeks, and process nerds. These people are too cool for words. And this is the problem with letting the guy who is in his own type write his own lyrics. <laughs> All right. And so, obviously, this is Denny. This is uh, Marshall from Brewlosophy. It's a bunch of you all out there uh, by the show of hands that you had. And it is really all about the science and all about uh, repetition and repeating. All right. So, good. 
They're driven by a desire to know, right? Why does this do this thing? Why is New England IPA hazy? Is it because of the hops? Is it because of the water? Is it because of the adjuncts? Is it because of a combination of all things and the yeast, yada, yada, yada? Uh, what they're really good at is what they learn as long as they're sharing it, like a lot of uh, process nerds are, provides really good groundwork for us homebrewers because a lot of the beer stuff that is out there, a lot of the beer science, is all based on the professional level and professional interest. You know, we have different needs, and so this is how we're getting some of that knowledge that we need. Uh, and then also, they are really good at repeating their process and controlling their process. Now, the bad is, of course, repetition is also crazy, uh, <laughs> at least to me. Uh, and in the quest of no for knowledge, they can miss out on the fun of brewing because they suddenly just become obsessed with the idea of, like, tweak, 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 until, you know, the next thing you know, they've made ten batches in a row of a American mild beer that they're not, re that they're not happy with. <laughs> not that I'm pointing fingers at anybody. <laughs> And then, of course, you get the, uh, the know-it-all effect with uh, some of these folks, and they really do kind of uh, whip out the nerd bludgeon. Uh, or, as I like to think, uh, the comic book guy from The Simpsons. <laughs> yeah. All right, quick, quick show of hands. How many people know the comic book guy's actual name? Anybody? Wow, I'm actually surprised. Jeff Albertson. Jeff Albertson. <laughs> <laughs> so a, a quick little story here. When we were writing the book, Drew uh, was describing this, pro, or this uh, archetype, and he said, they can tell you what batch number 174 was. I considered that a challenge. I went out to my uh, brewery, pulled out my notebooks, and said batch number 174 was a German pills that I brewed on, like, December 16th of... Uh, 1992, the OG was 1048, and whipped off everything, finishing with Neener Neener. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, meanwhile, you asked me what batch 174 was, I'd be like, mm, I think that was two years ago, and I can't remember two weeks ago. <laughs> so a great example of this type of person is uh, Marshall Schott, and I think probably a lot of you guys know about Marshall uh, Marshall is the brewlosopher. He's pretty much dedicated, he and his crew, uh, pretty much dedicated to doing lots of experiments to test stuff out and sharing them. And again, that goes back to the definition of an all-star. Marshall has a great website um, where he posts all the results of these experiments that he does so that he can pass on the info to all the rest of us. So and one, of them, one of them that he did was, you know, the typical HSA experiment to see if it existed. He just beat the hell out of a batch of beer, aerating it, and uh, found no negative results to it. The point is not so much that as that he did that and shared the results, and that's what we want you guys to do, too. All right. And then on the recipe front, I don't know who that is. Uh, that's the mysterious Confoot. Uh, but yeah, this is uh, Denny's uh, American Mild Recipe. And the reason why we actually use this is this is on revision four? Yeah, yeah, right. four, four will be coming up. Yeah. yeah, so revision four. And this is the absolute uh, epitome of that sort of thing. Repeat, repeat, repeat. Small tweaks every time trying to get into his desired flavor profile. So, yeah, I, yeah and I think that was taken in, in your backyard, right? <laughs> no. All right, moving on. 
Um, and I'm, let me just point something out. You see that recipe up there? It's got a mash temp of 148. Uh, the next thing I tried after this iteration of the recipe was to mash exactly the same recipe at 165. You know what? Exactly the same results between 148 and 165. Well, yeah, but did you do a blind triangle test? Oh. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay, and here we go again. Wild ones can fascinate for more than an hour because their beers are oh so sour. All right. How many people know where that picture's from? All right, you're old. <laughs> Alright, uh, so a couple, we listened to a couple of our favorite wild ones, uh, uh, most of whom should be here this week. I always like to say that uh, for the wild ones, there is uh, no funk that is too dirty. Uh, they do have the patience of a monk, and they quite possibly live on the Milk the Funk Facebook group. Uh, if you've been there, then you know that's a crazy place. Alright, uh, good. Patience, because, uh, well, you're not making a sour beer quick unless you're trying to piss off Bob Sylvester of uh, St. Somewhere Brewing and saying... Kettle sour. Uh, creativity, because let's face it, the, the sour beers that we're seeing from people are such wild and crazy things with flavors you've never imagined. Uh, some, of it, some of it due to their direct control, some of it not. But they're also very creative not only with the flavors, but in finding new sources of bacteria, because I don't think I ever would have thought to put probiotic, probiotic yogurt in my beer in order to get souring. But this is what these guys are doing. And also, they're very willing to roll the dice. Because, let's face it, sometimes your sour beer projects just don't work out. The bad, some, some of the uh, wild ones uh, do have uh, that old ways are the one true path. I referenced Bob earlier. I love Bob to death, but yeah, you want to get, get ranted at. Mention kettle souring to Bob Sylvester. Uh, and they, can, they can fall prey to the, the whole concept of well, I put so much work into this beer, it can't possibly be bad. I've had some incredibly bad wild beers from people just because they're not willing to, to admit it's time to give up on this one. And then finally, uh, out there can be a polite way to describe it. All right. Next. So uh, a great example of this is uh, Mike Tonsmeyer, who wrote the book American Sours. Maybe a lot of you have read that beer. Uh, we had uh, an opportunity to spend uh, a week in Brazil with Mike about a year ago, uh, going down there touring breweries. Great guy, and my God, does he know his stuff. You know, this is a great guy. The very first line there, to me, is like the key to the whole thing. Have you ever wished your beer was more like a pet? Right? And he's talking about doing a Solera, where you pull some beer out occasionally and feed the barrel with more beer, and it keeps constantly evolving, and you, you get like a different thing every time you pull it. The great tip here, and one that my club should have used more often, is to fill the barrel away from the people who donated the beer to go into it. Yes, she's nodding her head. <laughs> because some of those beers are nothing you would ever want to put into your mouth under any conditions. And by saying, okay, drop off your beer, and I'm like busy right now, but we'll fill the barrel later. That gives you a chance to actually taste those beers and decide what goes in there and what doesn't. And let's face it, if you don't put somebody's beer in there, they're never going to know. 
it's, a, it's the beer equivalent of like the whole uh, firing squad thing of making sure that at least one person had no bullet in the gun, right? So everybody could think, oh, I wasn't the one who shot the person. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's right. So, but yeah, uh, and, and it also helps you get away from that uh, awful conversation that you might have to have of going, yeah, so your beer, it kind of sucks. <laughs> so we yeah, can put yeah. it in the I mean, uh, My first club experience with this was uh, doing a Flanders red, and uh, four of the guys showed up with Irish reds to put into the, uh, into the barrel. Well, give them enough time, they would become Flanders Reds in the barrel. Yeah, right. But uh, Brandon Jones' recipe here is a real good example. Yeah, and you can see one of the things that we love, uh, Brandon uh, is really one of the forces behind Milk the Funk. Uh, and what is it, Yazoo? Yes. Uh, Yazoo Brewing Company, uh, sour beer program. And this is uh, his dark funk uh, recipe that he gave us. Fairly straightforward malt bill, and then all of the magic's happening with the yeast and other goodies in there. Including some Merlot cubes and black currants. He's a real fan of adding black currants to this beer. And again, this highlights this idea of patience, being able to being able to uh, you know deal with all these critters, and also finding new flavors that you can add to emphasize things. Like for instance, the oak adds some complexity. The currants also help boost the sour character. So it allows you to you know it's kind of safeguard your recipe. All right, and I think what we have one more. We have one more. You lucky people, one more. Let's talk about recipe innovators. I'll have to think of a better rhyme later. <laughs> yeah, he's such a charming lyricist. <laughs> All right, and then obviously we come to me. This is me. This is actually a shot taken uh, directly from my kitchen. Uh, but uh, no ingredients too weird, no concept is too out there, uh, and like I said, me, uh, and I am known for doing some interesting beers. <laughs> Let's leave it at that. Let's do the good and the bad. Good and the bad, boundary pushing. Dissatisfied with the quo, because the status is very not quo. Uh, and if you got that reference, I love you. Uh, they are storytellers, and they are culinarily minded. So for me, I tend to make all my beers so that they are uh, telling a story. They're telling a flavor story. You know, it's something straight out of the kitchen, so that's things like the clam chowder saison. Uh, yeah, let's, let's tell the story of the clam chowder saison, shall we? Okay. Well, yeah, so the, uh, the clam chowder saison uh, happened because when we were writing this book that, uh, that we were basing this talk off of, it's hard to get 25 people to send you information, Right. Uh, because everybody's got a life, and your thing is not their top priority for some strange reason. So at one, point, at one point, I sent out an email to all the people who were not getting the questionnaires back to us and saying that Drew had, had been threatening to brew a Manhattan clam chowder saison if they didn't get these questionnaires back, and he would unleash it on the world, and who knows what kind of havoc would follow. Yeah. Well, well within, within 10 minutes, I received an email from Drew saying... No, you idiot. I'm from Boston. It would be a New England clam chowder saison. And here's the recipe in 10 minutes. As far as I'm concerned, tomatoes anywhere near a clam chowder is a mortal sin. And, and so, you know, it, but we did actually get to brew it. We brought it to last year's NHC because uh, Denny and I went to Brazil and he flew through L.A. So... It is possibly the strangest, most out there, most challenging uh, brew concept ever executed by 
uh, three names that you'll know, uh, Denny, John Palmer, and myself, and only one of us was excited about the beer. <laughs> we, we have pictures of John Palmer pouring mashed potato flakes into the mash. <laughs> We're saving it for uh, blackmail. It's awesome. Uh, so what's bad? Well, you just may have heard some of the what's bad. Uh, but they, they do have a tendency, the people who are in this, to fall into the kid in the candy store syndrome. Uh, a little of this, a little of that, a little bit more of this. Uh, so it's not always a great thing. They are also the people who are responsible for all the hype train, crazy attitude recipe thing that goes on about both homebrew and craft brew, where sometimes you just want to go, why do I have to have a peanut butter, jelly, sardine, wheat beer, toasted sandwich beer aged in a port barrel? Can I just have a beer that flavored as beer? Uh, now, of course, I would also go, well, yeah, you could, but why? Um, <laughs> So that's the good and the bad. So uh, one, whoa, one example of this uh, archetype you may have heard of is uh, Mike McDowell, also known as Tasty. Uh, besides all of his uh, great recipes that are out there, Mike has uh, really brought a lot of attention back to the fast lager fermentation method. Uh, it's actually been around for a very, very long time. Most people aren't real aware of it. But basically what you do is you start off uh, your fermentation at normal lager temperatures. Then after three or four days, depending on gravity readings, you start raising the temperature up. And basically what, this, what happens is you can make an absolutely killer lager in two or three weeks instead of two or three months, like, uh, like has been traditionally thought. All right, and that would have just made all of the old school masters in the audience cringe. Yeah, that's right. And it's like... No, no, you're wrong and bad. So uh, for the recipe, here's one of Drew's. All right, and yeah, and this was one I just did. Uh, my club every year, we have our Mayfair uh, homebrew competition and festival. And for whatever reason that I don't quite get, uh, homebrew judges in L.A. are harder to find than hen's teeth. They do not like to come across the hills and whatnot because, well, traffic in L.A. is notorious. Um, and so... We do a couple different things to entice them to come join us, and one of them was we brewed a special beer for that uh, event, and we had it actually canned by our local mobile canner. So this is a homebrew recipe in the cans with a label from uh, one of my club members along with uh, almonds donated by one of our club members that I then candied to taste like the beer. <laughs> because why not? And so the whole thing is based off the idea of a Maltese Easter dessert called a figola. It's basically a cookie filled with almond paste and scented with anise and orange and lemon. And so the whole beer is designed to taste like a figola. It has almond extract in it. It has a blood orange zest, which would be more proper for Italians, and lemons and da-da-dee-dee-da. So this is a perfect example of me being culinary inspired and hopefully not too far off the rails for most people. What's wrong with beer-flavored beer? <laughs> All right. Okay. There's... And we have, we have one last uh, sub-archetype, and I'm going to spare you the ukulele on this one. Yeah, so it, we actually did develop five archetypes, and there are a whole bunch of sub-archetypes. But the problem was when we did our, when we did our uh, running around, we couldn't actually find enough gearheads to put in the book. And our editor went, you know, you're short on pages, and I'm not allowed to add extra pages. And I was like, fine, we'll chop it out. But here it is, the gearhead. These are the people who are obsessed with 
the stuff. Yeah, they see the systems, they see the tools. They, their homeland is the expo floor downstairs underneath us right now, standing outside the Blickman uh, pod going. <laughs> so for them also, it just might be that the gear is more fun than the actual beer itself, right? So on the good and the bad, I like to call these guys the weavers of practical magic. I am a computer programmer. I manage computer programmers uh, really nowadays. I'm not allowed to apparently program anymore. Uh, but the, I'm hopeless in an actual physical situation of, here, bang that hammer there, turn this screwdriver here, you have a thing. Uh, so to me, this shit is magic, <laughs> right? And so I, lo I love it. They always have a solution. They can recycle or upcycle anything, so they're also very green, right? If you're gonna be very Californian hippie about this, they're green. Uh, and they really do have all of the wonderful toys. Uh, but the bad to me is that sometimes the gear is more important than the beer. I've known a number of these people who have some very fancy things who make terrible beer. Just, it is what it is. Uh, hoarding tends to run rampant in the brew shed. So you walk in and you're not exactly sure where you're supposed to be able to brew. Uh, and the last one is that the tinkering can get in the way of the brew day. And I mean this in all honesty. I have one friend I brew with I love him to death, but it is not a brew day for him until we have broken out the wrenches and the screwdrivers and possibly disassembled half the system before reassembling. <laughs> All right? So let's go on. And hey, speaking of friends. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, this is Fletch. Fletch is the one who, if you ever see me write about anything that I have that isn't something I just bought, he made it because I'm hopeless. And this is a perfect example. I wrote up about this before. This is making a beer stand out of, out of standard unistrut or superstrut and a full two-tier system uh, with wheels and all the gigas and put it together with uh, a chop saw and two socket wrenches in about an hour and a half for $300. No welding involved. I can take the thing apart anytime I want and readjust it. And so absolutely love it. And it's strong enough that you could park a car on top of it and wouldn't bend. So, and because we also have to include a recipe, uh, Gary was also one of our other gearhead types. Uh, and this is his Mia Wallace Maybach. He's one of the few times that, uh, that we have a typo on the slide. Uh oh. The title. I'm an idiot. All right. Come around for round two and you'll see no typo. Uh, but this is a perfect example of a gearhead's beer because he loves doing what he's doing on his system so that he can get all those rests in. That's why he built all of his gear the way he did. Yeah, he's, he's told me that pretty much the gear is why he brews. So. Okay, so here we get to the heart of the matter. How do you become an all-star at home? Uh, it doesn't mean trying to be the best Gordon or Jamil or Mark uh, in the Ninkasi Award count. It involves brewing and sharing with other people. So this is, uh, this is my, uh, my thing. Invite yourself over to others' breweries. Yeah, it, literally, this is what I did when I first started. I went around to so many Maltos Falcons members' uh, breweries. It was weird. You learn a lot of new things. You can try new things. You actually can have social interaction, which is a weird thing for some of us who are nerdy. Um, you can have, uh, oh, yeah, you can make things that are special, including more stories. Uh, I have found in some of my brewing adventures with other people that blood is a very important ingredient to quality beer. Uh, I've also found out 
Uh, you shouldn't drink tequila while you're brewing. <laughs> uh, and I've also found out that uh, there are people who are former army members, when they say, hey, let's brew in the morning, they have a different definition of morning <laughs> than a computer programmer. <laughs> showed, up, uh, showed up to one guy's house at nine, uh, nine o'clock in the morning thinking, hey, nine o'clock in the morning, I'm up nice and early. He was already halfway done with his brew day. And he's like, hey, I told you the morning. I'm like, I haven't had my coffee. <laughs> All right, on the flip side of that, you should invite others to brew with you. Reach out to others and have them come uh, and, and brew with you. And one of the things that we're doing uh, in my club is I have a thing that we call uh, Brew with a Falcon. And Brew with a Falcon is literally five of our senior club members all agree for one day that they're going to do a brew and invite others over to their house. So we put a sign-up sheet on our website, and each place says, I can take five people, I can take ten people, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and they come over, they brew. They have a special brew day. But what's most important about it is people get a chance to see how you brew, where you brew. Uh, one of the things I always have a problem with when clubs do like group brews where everybody gets together, you're no longer in your normal brewing situation. You're now not brewing the way that you brew. Your magic is going to now be different there. So invite people over and have them brew with you. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to be learned. Uh, for years when I was bottling, I uh, would like kneel on the floor to fill the bottles and do all that stuff. Because if you look at the new complete joy of home brewing, that's what it shows people doing, right? Uh, and I wore the 70s clothes and had the haircut just like they did too. So. Uh, In other words, his current wardrobe. Yeah. Uh, but and one day I went over to a friend's house. We were bottling a batch of barley wine that we'd made together. And he pulled out two chairs and put the bottle on one chair and sat in the other one. And it was like a revelation to me. <laughs> you know? It saved my knees, you know? So here's what you need to do. You need to explore and experiment. You need to break out of your rut. Uh, there's, although there's been a great... Uh, discussion on the AHA forum recently about the difference between a rut and a comfort zone. So you need to realize the difference between those and which one is you. But try a new technique, a new ingredient, a new style, even if it's not clam chowder Cezanne, uh, or even just explore a question. And that's one of the things that we try and do on our uh, experimental brewing podcast. We use what we call citizen science to look at a question, get a bunch of people to brew beers, to explore that question and do a blind tasting. Yeah. And Denny forgot my favorite modification to the, words, uh, to the phrase citizen science. It's the word sloppy. <laughs> yeah. And no, most importantly, do not calcify. All right. Then we get into the education side of things. Hello. We get into the education side of things. Run a tasting and make a tradition of it. Uh, so many brew clubs out there, it really it seems that uh, the ones I've been to, a lot of times it's a bunch of dudes standing around drinking beer. Not a lot of education going on. Uh, and so instead, you know, do, do some tastings. Uh, we do a couple in, in my club, but do a Christmas in July, do a barrel day, do a mead day. Uh, you know, it's still drinking. You're still having fun drinking. But now, in theory, you're learning, which makes it better, Right? Uh, and then in the same, the same way, do a BJCP class, do a technique class, actually get out there and do it. We talk about these things, we all know about these things, and we all think they're a great idea, but the problem is actually getting the rubber on the road and actually making them happen. So one of the things about an all-star is an all-star is one of the people who makes this sort of thing happen, right? 
That's right. And like Drew said, new brewers are the lifeblood of this hobby. We've been seeing uh, home brewing kind of like starting to level off and maybe even decline a bit instead of having the meteoric rise that, uh, that we've seen the last few years. You guys need to get out there. You need to evangelize home brewing. You need to talk to people about how cool it is, and you need to share your knowledge and experience with people and get them involved in the hobby. Uh, break out of your cliques. Don't just brew with the same people all the time. Be gently critical, right? Tell people the truth about their beer, but uh, having a conversation that starts more like, boy, you know, let's, let's see what is in this beer. Let's break down the flavors. Yeah, we would advise not doing a spit take. Yeah, right. Apparently that doesn't work very well. Gag and spit is not a good comment. Right? Give them, give them a job. Help the, let them help you brew. Take photos, write things up, blog, share on the internet. Uh, why is this so important? Well, it's because friendship, like a flower, blooms with watering, and by watering, I mean beer. <laughs> right? That's my kind of flower. <laughs> so, finally, here is our mega list of all-star tips. Yeah, so uh, I, don't think, I think we're running a little short on time if we want to get into some questions, but uh, real quick, these are all the things that you know, right? These are all the things that we've talked about many, many times over the years, but this is at one part of it. All the other things that we just mentioned, those are the real heart of how you be an all-star. Because again, all-star is not just about brewing. It's about making your brew community and your brew life a lot better and a lot happier and a lot more energetic, right? So really, clean as you go, uh, sanitize, 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 because I've seen a lot of people try and cheap out on it and end up ruining all their brew day effort because they just decided, oh, well, that's going to be cheaper not to do that. Uh, treat your yeast right. Temperature control at least for the first 72 hours. That's what I do for all my saisons. Saisons get temperature control for the first 72 hours, and then I let them run free in the fields. Uh, all the fancy equipment in the world isn't going to make your beer better, but it might be fun to have. Um, yeah. Again, I told you, I've known people with the big gear, the good gear, and they make crappy beer. Take good notes. Denny forced me to put that one in there. <laughs> and I'll just add, take good notes. Yeah. Yeah, he, he's got the brewing notebook. I, I've got my auxiliary memory pack here, which is, oh, I have to do that. Um, have fun. Don't stress out. Denny has said many, many times, it's a hobby. If you're not having fun, you're doing it wrong. Uh, this one's also possibly heretical to a lot of people. Maybe, just maybe hold off on the beer when you're brewing, at least for a while. Denny has a, Denny has a no beer rule when he's brewing. Which uh, I broke on my 500th batch to my great chagrin. <laughs> I had, I had three bottles of the Belgian quadruple that I brewed for my 400th batch left for my 500th. And around noon, I just couldn't stand the pressure anymore. Uh, I, I tripped over various things in the brewery. Uh, I didn't set my pants on fire this time, but I have done that in the past. And I found my yeast within half an hour of putting the beer into the fermentation chamber, so it didn't take me too long to get it pitched. Yeah, I like the fact that his way of breaking the rules is no drinking, unless it's a Belgian quad. 
for me, I, my rule is no, no drinking until I have the beer in the boiler, my chilling loop is sanitized, and my fermenters are ready to go. At that point in time, I figure I have avoided most of the possible screw-ups I can make. And therefore, I can now have a beer. Right. And lastly, play around uh, in the corporate world. They've all been talking about that you need to embrace your fear of failing. So embrace your fear of failing. It's only beer, after all. That's right. So here's a few other places you can see us this week. It's like the old joke, right? Try the veal. I'll be here all week. Uh, right after the seminar, we're going to be down on the expo floor at the Craftmeister booth. So if you have any questions we don't get to today, if you want to bring by a beer and have us taste it, uh, you know, do that. In the meantime, we're going to take questions. Please use the microphone in the middle aisle if you have a question for us. Any questions? Not even like, why the hell did you play the ukulele? <laughs> yeah? Okay. Thanks for being here, everybody. Well, hey, so I hope that you guys enjoyed our little talk. I mean, it, you know, it's a little bit of the uh, book, a little bit of the podcast, a little bit of the psychology of the world. And really, we just we want everybody to be out there and uh, having some fun and really sort of being energetic about your brewing because, you know, look, last thing in the world the hobby needs is more uh, comic book guys. We need we need people who are out there really sort of promoting the hobby. And really, the best way to promote the hobby is to have a ton of fun with it. So anyway, we hope that you guys enjoyed the seminar. We really deeply apologize for uh, Denny's horrible ukulele influences uh <laughs> what can i say i would fire the ukulele guy but the my co-host here seems to like him a lot uh hey hey people people request it what can i say and uh let me just also say that to go with this uh we will put the powerpoint that uh, went with the presentation up on the website also so you can kind of get the uh, the whole experience minus actually having to look at us so uh, <laughs> Alrighty, it's time to wrap it up for the week. So thanks a lot for listening to the Experimental Brewing Podcast. You can catch all of our latest adventures and writings by going to our website, experimentalbrew.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, where we're at Experimental Brew. We're on Facebook. Uh, Drew tells me we're other places. And uh, I'm on a whole bunch of different beer forums out there. So uh, you should be able to find one or the other of us just about anywhere. If you want to ask us a question or suggest topics or recipes, experiments, or just rant and rave, you can email us at podcast at experimentalbrew.com. Or if you want to complain and tell us uh, how much the other one really sucks, you can email us each individually at uh, Denny at Experimental Brew or Drew at experimentalbrew.com. And don't forget, we have experimental brewing t-shirts that you can pick up, too. Just go to the store on the website. So until next time, remember to brew experimentally. Or brew wacky. We'll see you on the next episode of Experimental Brewing.